0: Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast, hosted by Joshua Shaw and Ryan Buckeye. What's going on, boys and girls, children of all ages? Josh Shaw, Ryan Buckeye here. Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast, back better than ever. Josh is wearing a fancy hat today. Josh, do you realize that your hat has a red snap band on it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we are moving up in this world. I made a few extra dollars this month. So then I decided to just, you know, upgrade this part here. I'm not going full difference on the hat, but uh, maybe if we continue to to, uh, do a good job here, maybe I'll be able to do that. Maybe 2022. I don't know.
0: Two other observations, Josh. One, V-neck. You're finally this is, is this the is this the yeah, DV this that we're going the, with?
1: Yeah, this is this is the prototype. Uh, for those that have been following our channel for a while, they know uh, we have gotten some people asking if we're going to actually make some type of swag. And uh, Ryan jokingly said uh, V-neck, so I decided to you know, bare the chest a little bit mm-hmm. here on one of these prototypes. You never know. It could happen. Again, I'm already like trying out hats. I'm trying out shirts. I mean, like we're going on a full brand experience here with our uh, podcast. This is no longer just you and I bullshitting. This is going to become a brand. Watch out, Nike. Watch out, Under Armour. We're coming for you.
0: This will always be you and I just bullshitting. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. that's a, that's true. <laughs> Let's not, the, the third observation, Josh, is why do you do your hair in a nice comb over if you're going to wear a hat? I don't get it.
1: You know, I, that's, you're not the first person that's ever asked me that question. And (laughs) I actually was thinking about this because the other day I was watching your Instagram stories and you had like only a few things that were like spiking out of your hair, of your hat. And I thought. Doesn't that annoy him? Because if he just put a little bit of product or wet in his hair, then he wouldn't have to worry about that. Because I don't like when that happens. And honestly, why I started to do this is my hair was a little bit longer, uh, maybe a couple of years ago. And it actually, when it would fall, it would tickle my eyebrows and eyelashes i didn't like it so then i start. i basically started to do that because i just didn't want it in my eyes now it's probably just habit because i'm ocd and that's just what i do
0: candidly i was hungover in that in that ig story <laughs> yeah. so I spent the weekend in south beach I, I couldn't help it so that's why i didn't give a shit what my hair looked like uh hangover effect again these transitions are just on money yeah, but josh and i want to talk yeah. about today yeah. um listen the sports nutrition nutrition industry has a, a a nice history to it, a really good history to it. And what Josh and I thought would be fun is we, we had an episode before, if you could be CEO of a supplement brand one day, what brand would that be and what would, you, what would be your first day in office look like? Uh, Josh tossed out the idea, like what, what company, a blast from the past that could still be in existence today um, or might be out of business, would you want to basically go back to and, and take over and then potentially, might, what would you do differently? And I think there is a, a lot of options here for us, and I'm. There are a lot of cool brands, and I, I told Josh you know, jokingly before the show, I said, "I guarantee you're going to pick EAS," um, and he told me no. So if it's not EAS, Joshua, what legacy brand that may or may not be in existence today would Josh Shaw be at the horse, at, 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 be at the helm of the of this business?
1: So I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to poke the bear here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pick a Glambia business, of course, because because why not? Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna. <laughs> So I'm going to go with BSN Okay. uh, because for me as a consumer, and I've, I've mentioned this on my channel a few times is that, uh, I guess a consumer, that was my first like brand that I actually like enjoyed and got like affected by from the sports nutrition world because my, the first, um, you know, pre-workout that I consumed was NO explode in college. And then it was kind of like you know, they had co-athletes, cool they had co cool packaging, they had all this kind of things working for them. As a college kid, I was like, enamored by it. I was like, this is awesome. And that, um, kind of transition over these last, um, you know, maybe 15 or so years from college days to now, um, has kind of affected me in a, in a certain way. I think just because anytime you find a brand relatively early, and you get um, interested in it, and you become a fan of it, and then you see it, what it is today, and it's not, uh, you know, what it was, you, you get a little bit like, sad, you're like, oh, you know, this is, uh, this should have been something different, this should have had a different story. Um, so that's kind of why I'm picking BSN, just because I think I personally um, had been a fan of it, I liked uh, the products, um, I liked just everything the brand was doing back in those, you know, mid- 2000s, uh, late 2000s, and then for whatever reason, now or in 2020, you barely, you barely see anything from them.
0: Yeah, I was going to just say, I was going to go out there and tell people, like, they still exist. Like, BSN is still in business today. Could fool quite a few people because you don't see a whole lot about them, but <clears throat> BSN is interesting, and I'm sure you're going to dive into it and, and what you might do, but with BSN being part of the Glombia family of brands, they have a, a a predicament there in terms of how do they differentiate that brand from yep. like your Optums, and that would be something obviously you would now. Now the question is like, would you run BSN prior to the uh, acquisition acquisition from Glombia, or to be you know one they're part of the Glombia family? Because I think that then too determines kind of like what strategy you're going to implement. Um, because obviously BSN did something right to be acquired by this big fucking company in Glombia, yeah. but then when Glombia acquired BSN, they didn't know what to do with it, and yeah. I think that's why today you're like okay. Synth 6, No Explode, they used to be super popular. Like They owned the color red. The color red yeah. was 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 BSN. Nobody touched it. Now you can have a company come out with red and, and people would be like, oh my God, this cool new company. They, somebody else can own red now. They allowed red to kind of go away from the wayside. Yeah. Uh, for me, um, sticking on the, I guess this whole subject of red, like mine's metrics. Uh, I think, like I, I know that they are still, I think in existence today. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very similar to BSN, but like, not a whole hell of a lot to going for them um, once upon a time, they sponsored some of the biggest bodybuilders in the business. I mean they were having massive booths at at these at these events. I mean they still um, they have some really good protein bars, things like that, but I mean they had a cool brand and metrics was one of the first brands back in the day to really sort of catapult the sports nutrition industry forward by coming out with some cool stuff and then gone like I mean not for real gone, but like gone to the point where you walk into a GNC or a vitamin shop, I don't even know if you find it on their
1: shelves anymore. No, I don't think you do. I mean, you're going to find them at like C stores, their bars yeah. or, you know, something like that. That's basically what they've become now. It's basically, you know, some of those like big 100 or the colossal bars or whatever. I mean, those I are really delicious. See, those are delicious. Yeah, they're still great. I mean, they're, uh, it's, it's a, and it's still stuck in the past. Those bars are stuck in the past from like years and years and years and years ago. Like they haven't um, decided to upgrade any of them. They still do, you know, good because I think they work for like the mainstream buyer that walks into a uh, Sheets or a 7 Eleven or, you know, something like that. Uh, but in our world, if they tried to sell that at a GNC, somebody would be like, Man, there's so many other like better options, better composed, ready-to-eat options now that I don't need to consume 50 grams of sugar or whatever was in those bars. That's why they taste so good. I mean I, I still probably would love to eat a lot of those. So if Metrix is listening to this, you know, send me and Ryan a couple boxes of those things because we still want to eat them, yeah, not you because you're on prep right now. But I'll, I'll consume enough for both of us.
0: I don't know a single person that works with them. And we know a yeah. lot of people, Josh. We, Josh. Between Josh and I, we know a lot of people that work for these companies. Um, and if you go to Metrics today, their website today, completely different look than what it once was. Um, I mean, except for some of their old, like, standard stuff. But, like, apparently they have performance powders. They have an RTD still. They have a protein powder. Could have fooled me. They, I guess they don't even have a pre-workout. They just have, yeah, maybe they do. Yeah, they have a pre-workout that nobody in the world could tell you about. I mean, I couldn't tell you, but i never heard of it until yeah. now. And, and yeah. when you talk like BSN, it's not, I'm, I'm interested, Josh, from yours, from your perspective, because you deal with strategy all day, every day. That is what people pay you a lot of money to do. It's like, how do we how do we develop a strategy to win in this market? And you look at BSM and you look at your sister companies in Optum and even like ISO pure to an extent. What, what's one of the first things that you're going to do?
1: Yeah, you you asked the question at the beginning like would the uh would I want to run this like pre-glambia or, or post-glambia. And um I probably want to run it post-glambia um mostly because I have so many resources available. Right. And you know, it's it's unfortunate that um they didn't use those resources in the, in the kind of the proper way back in the day. I mean, if we're going back to, I think when it was acquired in like 2000, maybe 11, um, I remember looking recently and I think I put out an article around, um, just like what was the strategic um, plans for BSN when they did purchase it. And out of the five that they put out there, they pretty much did what they said. I mean, a lot of it was around like taking this and creating scale and putting this out more. Like the first couple of years that BSN, um, was in the Glambia performance nutrition's portfolio, like things were great in terms of like growth and, and that nature, uh, because they were able to be put kind of everywhere really quick, uh, because of the scale of, of Glambia, but they kind of eroded, uh, what they were, their, their DNA, they, they, everything that was cool about them, everything that was unique about them over the years, became, um, turned into like what Optimum is like. Optimum, you know, is a, a very high quality economical, um, you know, line, you know, it's a sports nutrition line that has really great quality products that you can, you know, as a, any level that you want of a, of a consumer, you can pick up a product there and you're going to get a, um, experience that is, good. It's great. You know what I mean? Like there's, it's consistent. It's, you know, it's the priced accordingly, you know, you're basically getting product from the cow. Um, so everything is, you know, is about as, as, as good as you're going to get in terms of that. Um, so they had that, uh, company already there. And then you have BSN that unfortunately just kind of like slowly got closer and closer and closer and closer to optimum where then now if you look at it, it's hard for you to decide which one is which like if you were to take away the red containers which now they've muted and they've you know changed the labels and they've changed things to like really like play that down and you swapped it around and we had to like only look at basic uh non-labeled product we would have trouble trying to figure out who's who um between the two because uh, they've kind of taken everything to the same level i guess and and now, if we're looking at this through a hindsight type of thing and now they have all these other brands in their portfolio, they look extremely close to each other, comparable to some of their other products in their portfolio. And that didn't happen overnight. It took a while for like the, the sports nutrition category to like get to this point where um, they became similar to each other. I mean, Glambia did some things that brought them close, but also just the market in general, like started to make these products become a little bit closer in the minds of consumers. So first you know, step is to really just like rip it down to nothing and and then figure out like how do we differentiate this from everything else in our portfolio because we don't want this to cannibalize everything else and that's the problem right now consumers um, are struggling to figure out like you know what should i buy why don't i just buy optimum why do Mm -hmm. i buy bsn there's really nothing that is driving them uh, to be different
0: at all really yeah i mean you're absolutely right i think that's if you speak to people at like Columbia today, they'll tell you that same thing. Like our biggest challenge is to differentiate these two brands from one another because one's cannibalizing the other, and vice versa. Um, you know, if I if I told people on this podcast, like you have Gold Standard Whey Protein next to synthesis, Six, they are different proteins. For the record, they are different. And that's in the name. But like, could you would you know the difference? And most people would be probably like not so much. Um, you know, but there's their, their product offering across both brands are, are similar. Um, I think like. BSN, and BSN just, they, they had the, the pre workout market. Like it was theirs. Yeah. Like it was theirs. And then this little company called USP Labs came along with a thing called Jack 3D and it, it, it killed their market share. Um, you know, so like that would be interesting. Uh, you know, maybe we'll, we'll have you discuss that in a second, Josh. And what you, if you go back to that era, like what would you do when it comes to the pre workout? Because I think No Explode was one of the best selling, it was the best selling pre workout, I think, for, for a long time. And then this this little company came across and it's like blew it up. For metrics, for me, it's like okay. I mean, it's a nostalgia brand today. Like people, most but the thing is, like people within the industry know metrics. People outside the industry, no clue, no clue at all. Um, People outside the industry probably don't know BSN very much, but they may know Optum from you know your casual visit to Costco's or whatever it might be. But it's like okay, metrics had um, a, a product portfolio of like protein size up, I believe it was called. They had uh, commodities like uh, I don't know they probably had like glutamine, creatine, things like that, amino's, um, and then they had the big colossal bars, which we, which they got into, um, c stores. But outside of that, they got they got stagnant and they stopped and they didn't do a whole lot. Um, they had all this money they spent. They spent it on bodybuilders and athletes realized that there was no return on investment there, and I'm sure they spent a ton of money on magazine ads. And at some point, all these other companies were, were coming out after you know metrics and EAS and and. Weider Sports and all these companies were making the sports nutrition industry big and large and, and attractive. Then you had all these new brands come out like the BSNs of the world and, and like um, you know the Gasparis of the world and create products that were a lot more exciting, a lot more effective, some of them more cost-effective than what was out there. Well, metrics just sat back and waited, and they didn't do a whole hell of a lot. And I think complacency can be one of the most um, scary things in anything, whether it be – Business in your personal life, like when you become complacent because you think you've accomplished all you need to accomplish and that your brand is just big enough to sell itself, you're gonna fuck yourself. And we could, we could. I mean, you have to adapt with the times. Now, that's not to say like they had to come out with. I don't know. I mean, I I always look at like Blockbuster and how Blockbuster decided not to adapt, and Netflix kind of surpassed them. There wasn't anything necessarily per se like Netflix coming into our space. Like protein powder from 20 years ago is still a protein powder today. It just tastes better and it's probably higher quality whey protein, but. You had these brands doing things like their, like your USP labs with these um, micro-dosing pre-workouts and you had different flavoring of, of protein. I think that's a big thing too because protein was a huge seller for metrics and uh, I don't think they improved their flavors in, in, in 10 years for the most part. So um, it's just you know, the, the complacency thing would be the thing like you have to go in there and inject, whether it be innovation or inject energy into the brand and say, listen, if for us to stay alive, we need to be on top and we need to stay hungry. And I think a good example of that in today's world, is you look at a company like um, Cellucor lately. I mean, coming out with new transparent labels, coming out with like a 10-year anniversary of their pre-workout. Like, they are staying fresh and relative in the market when they've been the number one selling pre-workout forever. Like, they're sitting yeah. on top. And and for the most part, people who know C4 knows, in terms of the sports nutrition world, knows it's not a fantastic pre-workout in terms of effectiveness. But it sure makes that company a lot of money. And they don't have to come out with these super epic packed formulas that cost... 70 bucks, but they did because they want to stay fresh. They want to stay exciting. They want to stay cool. Another brand, MuscleTech. MuscleTech the same way. I mean, they've had their issues in the past. They have every, you know, quote-unquote right to kind of just put their feet up and become complacent, but they are still out there trying to stay on top of the innovation curve. And the reason being is, like, you have these small companies out there coming out with some really cool stuff, and and the power of the internet has really connected us with more brands than ever before. To stay fresh and exciting, you have to continue to innovate. And the day you become complacent, um, is, is essentially the day you can die. And I think that's what happened with metrics. Now, granted, metrics is still there, but I, I bet you anybody listening, I mean, if there's somebody listening to this podcast that is brand loyal to metrics, please <laughs> leave us a comment or brand loyal to BSN. I can't imagine many people are brand loyal to either of
1: the brands that you and I picked. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I mean, and you made a, you made a comment in terms of like, you know, just evolving and, and not being complacent. And I think that obviously, depending on the year in which we are operating the business, our plan of action would be much different because if we're looking at this through the lens of 2020, the things that we would have to do are much different than maybe when this company or the companies we picked started to fall. Like it might be a little bit different um, in that idea. So like 2020, we might be like, oh, we'd have to you know, completely overhaul a bunch of things, but like there was a, there was things that happened like incrementally that eroded at both of, of the brands that we're talking about. Um, and there's also like the idea of you know, life cycles. We don't necessarily like a, a brand cannot sustain like hyper growth and, you know, differentiation and innovation and all these kind of things for, uh, the longest time. Eventually, they become, you know, in a further life cycle, a more mature company. They need to be in, um, you know, convenience stores. They need to be in grocery stores. They need to be at Walmarts. They need to do those things. To And that's <clears throat> what life cycle they're in. You know, a good example of this is like Cellucor. I mean, like a lot of their sales, um, you know, comes through channels that are no longer specialty. Um, and that's uh, a reality of their business. That could have been a reality of the business with BSN. Like, why is NO Explode not? c4 like original c4 and now you also can play off of that and you know innovate and be edgy and still do some cool things but like your life cycle is you're probably a lot late later in terms of your cycle you're you're in your mature stage and you're just cashing off of a lot of the brand equity that you built those product equity um, names like and it'll explode they've eroded that at completely like that doesn't mean anything to anybody like somebody going into walmart they're not necessarily knowing anything about no explode mm-hmm. and they should because that was c4 i mean that should have been c4 there's no reason why that shouldn't be c4 in the same cycle of its life cycle right now like it should be at selling hundreds of millions of dollars at um you know channels that are outside of specialty but unfortunately it's not they're trying now to like compete again into specialty um and how do you do that how do you reinvent the brand um you need to go back probably then to your roots and that's a completely different kind of conversation is is like go back to that edgy innovative um phase of your of your thing basically remake the whole thing but go back to the core of what it used to be and i think that why i mentioned around like wanting to be a part of of glambia's performance uh just the the company as a whole is that like i have every resource to go back to that i have innovation houses. I have ingredients. I have everything at my fingertips to create the most um, edgy, innovative brand that I can, you know, to the limits of what Glambia would be allowed from a publicly traded company. But like I could create something that is super unique out there and I can have it priced almost uh, to the point of cheaper than anything, anybody else's stuff out there because I own the whole kind of thing. We talked about this when we did like the CEO thing is like, right. If they just connected A to Z from glambia like you know the cows to the end consumer they can beat any single company out there outside of like you know if somebody like a a mondelez or something like some one of these big companies goes out and buys some of these these uh, sports nutrition brands like from a full scale from the supply chain to the consumer glambia owns everything so like Mm -hmm. you don't have to play you don't technically have to pay all those like 30, 40% 30, 40% here, 30, 40, you know, everybody's making money through the supply chain when you're talking about uh, even like a metrics, you know, you got to pay the the contract manufacturer has to pay the supplier, the supplier, you know, like the uh, co- the brand has to pay the contract manufacturer, the contract manufacturer has to you know, pay, like there's this whole like you know thing where everybody's making a little bit of money here where I'm basically, you know, getting the stuff from the source and I don't need mm-hmm. to like build in all these big margins the whole way through because I'm going to hopefully you know, make a product the edgiest product out there for three bucks and I'm going to be able to sell it for 39. Nobody mm-hmm. else can do that. They're right. going to you know, make a product for the same product I can make for three bucks. They can make it for 15 and I, and I beat them all day long. So it's um, it, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's like a, a, the massiveness of the company has, you know, like taken them away from being able to connect all those dots or whatever. But like, you know, a lot of what I'm kind of thinking about is that it's, you want to be a part of it, but you also need to have the autonomy to actually make it happen to the level that you would need it to happen. If not, you're probably better off just being independent and you know, running your own show.
0: Yeah, it's, it's funny, too, with BSN. You're right. Like back to, if you go back to the roots, they were innovative. They were, they were cool. I mean, BSN yeah. was cool. And uh, BSN recently did a collaboration effort licensing deal with Cold Stone Ice Cream. I didn't feel it was that cool. Like, I mean, the yeah. coolness factor had been lost in the brand. That license deal with somebody else would have been much better potentially. But like, then again, too, BSN was kind of this like failing ship or, or sinking ship, and Coldstone too, kind of not as popular as it once yeah. was either. So you sort of partnered with a brand that's in a similar position to what BSN was, you know. And it's like that. I, I get it. I get the licensing stuff. It's, it could have been cool, but it just it wasn't yeah. cool. And I think with metrics too, like that's the thing. Like they metrics for for the most part because of who they sponsored whether it be, um, you know, Flex Lewis and some of these
1: bigger-name athletes, like, they were a hardcore kind of brand. Even, like, you you think, like, even, like, the strongmen. Like, they were doing the the metrics strongest man for, like, that was – that was it. Like, it's mm-hmm. kind of like the Reebok CrossFit games. Like, for the, like, you just put those brands together now. And, like, for whatever reason, like, that fell off the whole Metrics tr- world's strongest man. I remember watching that as a kid, like, just enamored by these big dudes lifting stones and thinking, like, man, this is awesome. Yeah. Like, and, and Metrix's big thing was protein. I talked about that before. And it's like, when you stop innovative
0: in that and, and other people surpass you in flavors, and it's like, wait a second, I can get this other thing with, that has similar ingredients, probably better ingredients and tastes better. They're going to do that. And they just never change. And I think, they lost their cool edge factor as well because they became complacent, and stagnant, and they'd have to go back to the drawing table and say, "How do I innovate to stay on top of the curve?" Now, <clears throat> um, in the world of of digital media, they might have been better off. I don't know. I mean, in terms of maybe having the right people in place to create campaigns that made them seem cooler, but like they stuck to a lane and and they didn't they didn't deviate from it. They didn't adapt with the times, and uh, ultimately, that for me was you know, their biggest downfall. And again, I'm not saying that their products are bad. I'm not saying anything along those lines. I'm just saying whoever is in charge there, just let it go. And they didn't invest into marketing. They didn't invest in the product improvement. They probably didn't invest into their number one asset, which is employees. They probably didn't get the right people in place. Um, Because if they did, you know, I don't think – that that's the thing too. Like the biggest strategy change you make as CEO, and anytime you take over a company that's been failing – you probably just don't have the right people in place. You don't have the right yeah. people that, that sees what's going on to change it. So, like, if you're going to invest all this money in the marketing or in the package design or formulations, but you have the same people in place, you ultimately might end up back where you were. So, yeah. like, as CEO, and you get into a company, and we, we didn't really talk about that in the last, you know, the last episode, but then again, the companies we picked necessarily weren't really in bad places. They were doing well. Um, yeah. But these companies both have been, have been not failing, but just, you know, the downward spiral. So, yeah. Whether it's the CEO of these current companies or the people, the brand manager at BSN, and again, nothing against the brand manager at BSN or Glombia. I don't know who they are or, or what. And, and again, in, in those situations, too, when you work for a large company like Glombia, even though you're the brand manager, you still have a lot of red tape. You can't just yeah. make changes on the regs. So the, it's not necessarily the fault of that. But then in that case, it may be the policies and procedures that are in place on that brand that you would change. Um, so those are the those are the two kind of brands that we would look at. I mean, are, uh, do you think, Josh? I mean, when you look at BSN now, you know you know the universe of Glombi a little bit too, as do I. We both know that they're working hard to try to differentiate BSN from Optum. Do you think that they're going to be able to do that effectively to the point where BSN can start maybe gaining some market share again?
1: I mean, uh, and obviously, I'm only think looking at this from like the outside in. In, um, I got I don't necessarily see anything to the aggressiveness that would be needed. Um, I think a lot of where their strategies are going from like their product, um, you know, more ready to eat, ready to drink, um, their sales channels, a lot of the things that they talk about um, constantly from like high level strategy, uh, are not necessarily, um, meeting, uh, or like kind of aligning with uh, BSN right now. Now they might have some things in the, in the works that we just don't know about, but, um, just seeing what, they currently have and where I know Glambia is trying to go with some of their immediate consumption products and things of that nature. Like they're not going to need to make a complete, uh, 180 on that brand. And the interesting thing about it is that like, they actually like the BSN brand, like had both ready to eat and ready to drink um, things for a long time. They were actually pretty early, like for the level in which the innovation was for their products, like they were too early that people were not really like the consumer set wasn't there enough to support those products. So uh, it's interesting that like all those years ago, back um, 10 years at this point, they had, you know, the synthesis RTD that was with the UFC, and they were doing all this kind of stuff with it. And then uh, for whatever reason, you know, you fast forward 10 years, the, the share of the market dollars going towards RTDs are much bigger than what it is now. Uh, but they were too early. Now it's kind of like, what do you do? Because you have to go back to that world, but like, that's not reinventing the wheel. That's like going back to like the, the core. So I don't know if that like invigorates everybody, because if you are a 21 year old kid that, you know, was 11 when the last time BSN was cool. Um, <laughs> this is a whole new, this is a whole new, like this is a whole new brand you. You, have no <clears idea. throat> you. have no idea. You have no idea the legacy of BSN. You have no idea what they were all about back in the early or, or late, uh, you know, two thousands. You have no idea. So like for you to go into the brand and, and get some products that were like, you know, cool 10 years ago, that wouldn't be, you know, you wouldn't be interested in that because there's so many other opportunities out there for you. Like there's 10,000 brands that probably speak to you on a much different level, a much closer level. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I always, I never like write anything off. Like I'm the, I'm the notorious, like positive person, like with these companies as assets because I just think about it as – like I frame it the right way. Like a win today is not the win that it was going right. to be in 2011 or whatever. Like for you to get back up to $100 million of, of good business is probably – um, you know, would be your win. You wouldn't be trying to go, uh, you know, go after four or $500 million. Um, so I still think there's like a lot of value in in BSN. I just think that right now, I I don't really see the movements that's going to get them back to that. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of like smart, hardworking people that are trying to make that happen. But um, to your point, there's probably a lot of bureaucracy and red tape and, and all kinds of things that people are, are beating against them saying, Hey, we don't want to overinvest in this. We'd rather just extract value over you know going back and, and, and investing in this brand um, so when I when I talked about this the last time um, in my own channel I talked about the kind of leaving the question of like is it better for them to divest the, the brand right now is it better off just get the get get what you can get out of it sell it off to somebody else and let somebody else like really like put the money into it to, to do it without all the red tape and bureaucracy and everything like just a straight line um, to um, CEO to the creatives and just just roll with it and see what happens so you know, I don't know what, what's going to happen. I mean I definitely keep following along because I go back to the, my original comments. I, used to, I was a fan of the brand. I was a c- customer of the brand. I bought a lot of product from them over the years, and I, I enjoy – I still enjoy it. I still look at them and say, you know, wh- what can you be? You could be something great. It's just a matter of, of, of doing it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with you in terms of like my my personal thoughts is like dissolve the brand or sell it off. I think at this point because you already have Optum, unless you're going to completely do a one eighty to your point and change the brand. But then when you change the brand to a complete one eighty, you're basically a brand new brand. And then yeah. you know it's like you still have the legacy of BSN that still lingers and kind of overshadows what you're trying to accomplish. And that's the biggest thing with like metrics for me. It's like you have the legacy of the brand there, but now they have things like snack cups, Josh, like these different and, and pancake yeah. mixes and stuff. Not saying it's wrong, but this is it's not. What the brand was about, and I think now they're like all of a sudden, you know, 10 years later, like, okay, what can we do? Let's just change the brand completely. Let's change the branding. The brand's not that attractive. It's pretty generic. I think metrics is dead. I mean, I, I mean, they're still there, but, I mean, if it wasn't for their bars, like, I think they would, be, they would be hurting, and the only reason is the bars, they still sell really well, I think, in C-stores. I mean, they're there. People try one. They're like, oh, my God, this is delicious. Well, it's because it's basically a candy bar with a ton of calories, um, but it's just one of those brands that I think has cool legacy. And I, I'm, a, I'm a historian of the industry. I like, I, the other one I was going to pick would be Weider Sports. I think when they came out, with, like, Weider was the first creation I ever took as a kid. Uh, I was, like, mm-hmm. 16 years old. I mean, they, they, created, they really helped create this entire category. And, like, even EAS to an extent, like we talked about earlier before the show, was they they were there in the beginnings. And it's just it's, sometimes you look at some of these brands that were massive that no longer exist today or that may be on the verge of dying today. And generally, the theme is the same. They just they got complacent. It's typically not that they made a wrong strategic choice. Because I don't think – I mean, I guess you could say the strategic choice was to be complacent and not change. and that's a, that's a bad choice. Uh, but most of these big brands that fail, fail for very similar reasons. And I feel like if people kind of took a look at the bigger picture and said, okay, why did, why did metrics? why is BSN, why are these other brands that used to own this industry, EAS, why are they gone? Why, why is that? And there's a common theme there. And I think, like, we could do a case study, Josh, and I bet you the commonalities are very similar. And I bet you the commonalities come back to one thing, and that's the people. I mean, the, the people that were in charge just they, – they, they didn't care anymore. Or they, they had a different agenda in terms of what was supposed to happen. So um, I, I love this episode. It's kind of walked on memory lane a little bit, and we'd love to hear from you guys out there too. I'm sure there's pe- pe- people – that have been in the industry for 25 years. They're like, oh my God, you've got to talk about this brand, this brand, and that brand. Yeah, there's so many brands that used to be really big yeah. and prevalent that have died. And now you see brand like Ghost and Redcon. Both these brands, for the instance, I know we talk about them a lot in here. Redcon is four years old. Ghost is three and a half years old, or whatever it is. like I mean, or four years old. Like s- They're both super young brands. Yeah. Less than five years. They're two of the biggest brands in the industry in terms of, Now they're not as big as Optum. They're not as big as Cellucor. But they're, they're massive. I mean, Redcon's yeah. an $89, 90000000 $90 million brand. Ghost is... Probably north of fifty million, whatever it might be. I don't. I mean, that number is private, but they did it quickly because they're they're innovative, they're creative, and they're they're changing all the time. They don't. They didn't get to Aaron Singerman is not going to get to a hundred million and stop. He's going to sell or he's going to keep being aggressive. I mean, that's the yeah. m- mindset of him. Dan Ryan the same way. I mean, there are. I mean, obviously not to leave other brands, but there are a lot of brands out there that
1: just they complacency scares the shit out of them, and I think that's what makes them great. Yeah, I mean, I think the if. Anybody enjoyed this episode, like just because we took a little bit more of a historical route here, um, I would suggest watching a documentary, um, su- Subs the Movie, um, Great. both of us, you know, uh, Alex Ardenti, um, you know, it's on, I think, Amazon Prime uh, Video or I think Vimeo, you can ha- you can watch it as well. I don't know if it's moved over to like free um, yet or if it's still paid. Still but, paid, Forty nine. Um, I think it is. Yeah, but it's um it, it's it's a great um, documentary, especially if you are into this world like sports nutrition and you're a historian and you just like to see where everything started. Um, he doesn't move up to like to the level in where we're talking. Like we usually are talking more like contemporary, the last probably you know five to seven years. And when we talk about things, when we bring up, um, you know. Uh, references and things like that because we want to have the people that are listening to us actually be able to draw back on that experience because mm-hmm. usually then we're in college or high school or whatever it is mm-hmm. um, So, but Alex's movie is very much like you know, before even you and I were born, um, yeah. so you can learn about a lot of brands, a lot of like things that you just didn't know about at all. You're just like, wow, th- like this is where this all stems from. This is where you could see some lineages to like where uh, what we're talking about today, and you're like, wow, this is why it happened the way it happened, you know? Yeah, uh, and, and plus, Fitness Informant makes the documentary, so I mean, if if you haven't
0: watched oh, it, check yeah, it, check it, it in out. In yeah, yeah, cheap yeah. plug for myself on that. But uh, if you like this episode, otherwise, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, over at YouTube, Two Guys One Shaker Cup on Facebook. Facebook, Josh Shaw Consulting, uh, Fitness Informant. We'd love to hear some topics, love to hear some feedback on this show. I, I feel like we're going to get quite a few feedback on this one, so it should be good. Uh, Josh, when you're at, atop the helmet, at Glombia, remember us little guys, okay? I mean, yeah, uh, I'll, I will, will. Uh, I'll scrub toilets and mop the floor as long as you pay me six figures. So that's my that's my <laughs> offer to you. <laughs> We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Podcast, and more. Follow us along on our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Two Guys, One Cup, Instagram, and Twitter.